Hello and welcome to the B2B Marketing Podcast. My name is Lucy Gilman. I work on the content team at B2B Marketing and today I'm joined by Katie Martell. Katie is this year's moderator at Ignite USA, our hybrid conference from the 1st to 3rd of June in Chicago on all things brand. Thanks for joining me, Katie. Lucy, I'm so happy to be here and I'm so looking forward to Ignite USA. It, you cannot understand how thrilled and excited I am to get back in real life. Amazing. Well, could you just introduce yourself and your role at Ignite USA? Well, this year I am uh, super proud to be uh, part of the advisory board uh, and the co-host of this year's event alongside Joel. Um, We're going to have a ton of fun up on stage and I'll be doing a ton of great uh, fireside chats, panel moderation, really just helping bring the event together. Um, I am very fortunate to have worked in the B2B marketing space uh, with MarTech brands and marketing services companies, basically marketing to other marketers like myself for over 12, 13 years now. So it's been a really fantastic journey in MarTech. I remember, you know, when I first started that marketing technology landscape, you know, that really terrible, uh, uh, intimidating picture of all the different MarTech tools in the space. There was like a hundred when I started. Now we're up to 9,000 just as a way of kind of, I've been, I've been riding that wave of, of B2B marketing as it's grown, as it's gotten more complex. Um, And it's so exciting for me to be someone who can come to these events and be part of these events to really highlight how it's changing and how B2B marketers like myself just need to continue to evolve. These events are such a beautiful opportunity to reignite some of the ideas that we we really need to do our jobs. It's changing so quickly. Um, so this year I had the uh, privilege of inviting some of my favorite speakers uh, to really t- to join us. For example, Sarah Kennedy from Google Cloud will be there. Uh, she's the former division CMO at Adobe, CMO of Marketo, um, to talk about how to you know continue to balance brand with driving demand, this new charter for marketers. We'll have Cass Taylor from Adobe talking all things purpose, all things purpose-led marketing and how that comes to life in reality beyond the buzzword of purpose and so many others in between. It's, it's one of those opportunities, I think, to just recalibrate where we are after two plus years of so much disruption and figure out together where we're going as an industry and how we do it again as 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 colleagues. This is uh, I miss being side by side with people facing the same challenges as me, and that's what Ignite I think offers a, a beautiful opportunity to do. Virtual is great, and if you're joining us virtually, awesome. But I really miss being in the room with all these change makers and people in B two B marketing. Some of the bravest, most resilient professionals I know who put up with the uh, all the changing expectations of B two B. Amazing. And, you know, you mentioned brand, which is the main theme of Ignite. And it seems to me brand is dominating all B2B conversations. You know, we kind of can't stop writing about it. And one of the key themes across Ignite is that brand is really the key to coming out on top in the war on talent. To put it really simply, if brand isn't your top priority as a B2B marketer, are you just missing out? I love questions about priorities for marketers because there's so much, every day it changes, right? I think when you're looking at the role of a CMO, even if you're looking at the role of a marketing operations leader, there's just so much to navigate. What's beautiful about brand and why I'm so excited that the B2B team is focused on brand in 2022 is really because brand supersedes everything we do, right? It's the air cover that gives us the kind of awareness and trust uh, that every other piece of the puzzle, whether no matter how long our sales cycle is, no matter how complicated our go-to-market, no matter what channels we're on, brand is that through line 
through all of it. And so for me, it's that time-tested thing that we've got to continue to get right. We've got to recalibrate on and we've got to stay true to. That brand is something that we're kind of carrying the legacy of. I know a lot of marketers, I'm sure many listening, have changed jobs in the past few months. The great reshuffle, the great resignation, a lot of new marketing teams, which means a lot of new branding is about to come and a lot of new promises to be made. I look at brand and so many marketers do like making a promise to the market and to the, your buyers, right? And it's it's kind of your job as a marketer to ensure your brand lives up to those promises. But done right, the brand is the thing that helps accelerate those deals, helps to carve out a unique unique space for you in market, helps to help a buyer make their decision in a way that, you know, is advantageous to you. But it also helps you understand as a company what you've promised to market. If you're joining a company for the first time, the brand is what tells you what you're signing up for, what the charter is that your mission is then, you know, to help fulfill. It's that thing that you can't help, you really can't afford to get wrong, but it's also one of those things that is constantly changing. So I think brand lives in every pocket of the marketing team, again, whether it's tech and ops or content and, uh, you know, uh, CMO level, C-level conversations. And it's one of those things that is often misunderstood. It is so fundamental to what we do as marketers. It is so key. And yet a lot of times it's it's looked at uh, like very superficial, right? Like the logo and the colors and the, you know, the brand package. It is so much more than that, especially in B2B. It can be ex- the thing that accelerates deals or the thing that doesn't even allow the deal to happen in the first place. So no pressure, but yeah, we should, <laughs> we, we should get it right. And that's why I'm thrilled Ignite is really focused on it this year because it looks different in 2022. So Katie, we talk about, brand a lot in relation to attracting and retaining new employees, customers, but how can we actually put this into practice? Well, that's the million dollar question. You know, one of our panels that we'll focus on is uh, the the idea of an employer brand. Uh, And this is uh, such a beautiful uh, idea that, you know, has become some marketers full time jobs. We're going to have Ashley Giro from HubSpot and Hannity from uh, CDW all talking, you know, with me and I get to moderate the session. How lucky am I, you know, to really understand how marketing whose job historically has been driving growth, driving revenue, right, is also now responsible for embracing that opportunity to attract and retain great talent. You know, and that's all about, you know, values and what the organization believes in, the why of the organization. It all is part of that, what motivates someone to take a job with the company. Um, and I think it's I think it's one of those questions of how do you differentiate in market to buyers and how do you differentiate for talent? These are not unique things, but they're totally separate target audiences. But what brings them together is this, again, this idea of brand as a promise. You're promising a certain customer experience and you're promising a certain employee experience that lives up to that promise. It's more crowded than ever. It's more hard. It's harder than ever to attract great talent. It's also harder than ever to break through in B2B. Um, I was joking with a friend that there's as many options for something like HR technology, right, as there is for toilet paper if I'm in the grocery store. There's just so much competition. Brand is the thing that helps a buyer understand in this huge consideration set where all the options look the same. What is the thing that is most relevant to me, most resonant with my goals? The employers, uh, employees that are looking to change jobs have the same set of consideration. They have to look at these companies and, and their only way of judging before they become an employee is the brand of that organization, the reputation, the way they live up to their values, and the way that they carve out that unique point of view. So if you're able to do that and step up as a CMO or a head of marketing, you're able to articulate in market very clearly 
who you are, what you're about and why you exist as a Brit. My God, that is like, you are, you are, it's so hard to do that you are already at an advantage. Um, and it's also the narrative that we give to both employees and buyers to help them kind of advocate on our behalf. It's that thing, that playbook that helps the whole uh, ecosystem around our brand go to market. And, and whether you're attracting talent or, or buyers, it's that thing that the through line through all of it. It's not easy yeah. <laughs> No, the heart of your organization. I think that's definitely, yes. you know, definitely true. Um, you know, I sat down with Ashley and Hannity and we yeah. spoke about employer brand and they outlined, which was really interesting to me, a philosophical shift in the way that we think about work. And it's not just a question of, you know, does this job play well, but it's does this organization share the same values as me? And it's not just, you know, you want to work with brands, you want to work both for and with brands who share your values. Do you think this is a fair enough assessment? Do you think employees are expecting more and more from their employer when it comes to that value promise. Absolutely. And here in the US, you know, employees have a very, I think, unique relationship with employers, right? We get our health insurance from our, our jobs. We're uniquely dependent upon the, the places that we work um, to really be part of our, our lives. And I think more organizations are realizing that that also means now that it needs to be a place that lives up to the expectations that individuals have around their lives, that we are we are uh, waking up to the realities of being a woman in the U.S. right now. We're having a lot of conversations about reproductive rights, right? It's a really interesting time. Uh, we saw in 2020 a huge ra racial reckoning around uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And all of this is happening during the pandemic, this massive disruption to our, our kind of traditional work life. Um, remote work, of course, the kind of changes that have been required with uh, health and safety. There's been a lot now of pressure placed on employers to ask this kind of fundamental question of what is the role that our organization now plays in the lives of our employees? Whereas before, I think the old way before the pandemic was looking at what is the, what, how do the employees adjust to us? Now it's how do we then adjust to fit the realities of employees who are no longer wanting to be undervalued overworked, uninspired, right? That's the new um, kind of charter for organizations. And, and what it means is really living up to, again, the promises that we make. If we say, say we have values around, for example, uh, equality, well, great. We need to support working families. So what do those policies look like around remote work? Not just for working mothers, but fathers or any kind of traditional, you know, non-traditional family structure, elder care. There's a lot that I think organizations didn't know about their workers that just was taken for granted. Now it's about how we invest in our people, whether it's LGBTQ employee experiences, whether it's diversity, women, mental health. All of that shows what a company values, whether it values its people and whether it's willing to invest in its people. And quickly, these are becoming table stakes because now in a world where you can work from anywhere, you have options. And so I think it's a wonderful, wonderful shift towards the worker, towards what employees need to thrive. But it also, I think, helps um, weed out the organizations who did not prioritize their employees, you know, and, and they're seeing the result now with uh, lots of resignations and and that kind of reputation. It's, it's hard. But again, if you prioritize, like customer-centric organizations do, if you prioritize your employees, all of it will, it's a rising tide. Everyone will be happier and a happy employee means a happy customer, right? It's a, it's a win-win if you look at it from a marketing perspective. It's, it's also your job really to think about that employer brand. Hmm. And when you're thinking about that employer brand and, you know, thinking about how you can really invest in your people, do you think the key 
is really looking in and listening. How can you understand what your employees are feeling, what they want, what they need? Absolutely. We're seeing a huge rise in ERGs, employee resource groups, across historically marginalized uh, populations in the, in the business. So women, you know, people of color, uh, people with disabilities, um, you know, accessibility is such an overlooked part of inclusion. My God, it's, it's amazing. But, you know, these employee resource groups are um, increasingly being uh, uh, used as a way of, of keeping a, a pulse on, a finger on the pulse of what employees need and how the organization uh, can do better in some ways, highlighting some gaps and, and recommending forward. I think the greatest orgs have also have always had the ability to um, be agile, a word that you've probably heard way too much of over the past two years. But yes, listening to um, the needs of their employees. And a lot of times, I think pre-pandemic, a lot of companies were found to be flat-footed uh, without the mechanisms to do that kind of listening, and certainly without the mechanisms to bake that into their new processes. So um, really, the last two years have shown who can recalibrate and who's already got that flexibility internally and employees willing to speak up. I think a lot of brands have a culture where you just don't feel safe to speak up. You are penalized if you are you raise your voice and say, hey, I need something. And so organizations that have that culture, they don't get that listening because employees just walk. They just leave. They'll, at this point, there's so many options now that they realize their talent can be useful elsewhere for a company that does support them, does value them, and again, does have that flexibility and that support to listen to them. What a fascinating time to be an employee. I hope anyone listening who's somewhat uh, not happy with their job realizes that you have an amazing opportunity right now. And it's a privilege to change jobs right now, but you do have an opportunity. It's harder than ever to find talent. Now is the time. Go get more money. Go get a better job. Get out of those culture environments. They do not deserve you if you are if you are being um, undervalued where you are. Hmm. I'm going to start a revolution on your podcast. Uh, no, please go for it. I the was... work is revolution. <laughs> well, when me and Hannity and Ashley were speaking, we were talking about it seems to me like there's been a death of the employer-employee hierarchy. It doesn't seem like it's that linear static thing anymore. And it's really been, yeah. it takes that reshuffle to another meaning. You know, it's like placing the employee almost, I don't want to say above or on par with the employer. Would you say that's fair? And do you think that's going away anytime soon? It has to. It has to be look the, the the talents of an organization, especially in B two B. When you think about a lot of you know uh, white collar jobs, right? It is the people in the business that make the business run, and I, that's always been the truth. What historically has been the case is, to your point, it's been this imbalance where the power has always resided with the employer, right? I, especially with recessions, especially with the last you know couple of decades, this shift, this COVID shift, this kind of great disruption with remote work and all that. It has, yes, exactly what you, to your point, it has moved the kind of power into the hands of, of workers who have a lot more um, voice than ever before, but also a lot more opportunity to advocate for what's needed for both the customer as well as uh, employees. It's not going away. The workplace of the future is one that can listen to its employees, that can radically change the way it does what it does, the role of an office, the, the kind of um, benefit packages offered to meet the needs of, of modern workers. It's just like every other thing that changes, every other transform, uh, transformation that's happened, whether it's the move to tech, the move to the cloud. It requires us to ask, why are we doing things the way we've done them? Why have we focused on the needs of, historically, um, a certain population of our workforce? When in reality, a beautifully diverse workforce is a strength. And that means we have to be able to adjust some of the ways in which we do things. Some of the status quo need to be adjusted a bit. Um, it's about investing in people who are, are then willing to invest in you, that equal um, uh, 
symbiosis, right? Is that the right word? Am I yes. feel like I'm making up words today, to <laughs> but it's it's an equality that I think is encouraging. Again, it also creates friction in some companies that aren't ready to give up that kind of power dynamic. We're seeing a beautiful rise in employee activism too. So when a brand does not live up to the stated values it has, we're seeing a lot of employees, whether it's um, the Wayfair walkout here in Boston or Amazon employees or Salesforce employees, really challenging the organizations in which they work to live up to those values. That is a trend we will continue to see. We're seeing a workers' movement, workers' rights movement here in the U.S., that ain't going away. And it's exciting. It puts the power dynamic back with the worker, I think. I like that we're talking more about now, you know, workforce dynamics. <laughs> brand is such a huge part of that. But this is why the promise you make as a brand, right, has to live up to that experience that employee or a customer has. That's the key. Brand is not just a series of window dressing. It's a promise that you make. And the question to marketers is are you, you, as the steward of that brand, it's your responsibility to make sure that the promises that are being made are actually being lived up to. When there's a gap, that's where problems happen. That's where um, crises start. Do you think that it is obvious where there is this gap, where the lived experience of employees or customers doesn't actually match up to the brand values that an organization claims to have? Totally. I think if you are an employee, for example, say you're a woman, a woman of color working in an organization, and you see the organization putting out statements around diversity and equity or the the, the importance it places on um, equality in the world and how it's a, 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 you know, steward of this or that or, you know, stand with. And then the experience you have as an individual, if that doesn't live up to it, can you imagine how just how that feels, that insidious sense of the organization I work for is promising one thing, but my experience is something else? That's what causes people to leave companies, right? Especially, I think, the, the next gen. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a millennial, right? And for me, my generation certainly was, was the kind of one to realize we have a voice online. We can call out our brands, uh, our, our employers, um, sites like Glassdoor, right? Even just regular social media sites. We have a way of, of, of holding companies accountable. I think Gen Z, and I'm really excited about our panel on the next gen of B2B marketing. I'll be asking um, Meg Murphy, Sarah Peon, Bridget. I'm going to ask them about what they expect from companies. And a lot of it has to do with authenticity, living up to the promises made during the hiring process, um, not keeping bosses, for example, that are downright malicious and downright manipulative, that don't carry the values of an organization, taking those people out of the decision-making you know, roles. This is such an interesting time to be in the workplace, but I think younger generations do, like mine, do not put up with this inauthenticity, this kind of gap between, again, promises and actions. It is the thing I think that will determine whether a brand can hold on to talent or whether it's just going to see this mass exodus continue. We have to be willing to live up to the values that we state and be willing to declare those values. There's a great um, saying that the only thing you find in the middle of the road is roadkill. As an organization, you have to take a stand where it comes to certain things. Again, whether it's women, if you're talking about women's rights, and we need to talk about how employers are stepping up for women and their reproductive freedoms, right? This is a, a very interesting time to be in the workplace. Um, formerly taboo subjects are now front and center as our work lives and our personal lives kind of converge. I think it's only getting stronger. We, we cannot ignore the fact that a business is part of the community in which it does business, part of the lives of its employees. Um, and that means a lot for now how organizations step up uh, and meet those new needs. Hmm. I mean, as a Gen Zer myself, I think that I think that's a, I don't see this kind of value-centric value approach going anywhere anytime soon. You know, I would never work for a company 
where my role as an employee was not valued and I was treated, you know, you hear all these horror stories from back in the day of people being worked like, you know, 8 a.m. till 12 midnight. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon. And I think values as well will continue to dominate. Do you think we're getting to a point where, you know, having that, sharing that same values as a company is a fundamental prerequisite? Like, does it pay well? Does it have hybrid working? Does it have the same values and does it openly and outwardly live up to that? I do. I think yeah. I think that this is a beautiful shift. I mean, we we had we had employers uh, again with all the power, and the idea of loyalty to an employer was considered the thing you did. My parents' generation, it was about how long you were at a company. My parents are in the boomer generation, right? And it was how how long you were there, and that loyalty was rewarded over time. Now, I think that's absolutely gone out the window. It's not about loyalty to a brand or a company. It's about Loyalty to yourself, loyalty to your own boundaries, what you're willing to put up with, the abuse you're willing to put up with um, or not. I mean, there's been a lot of poor behavior within organizations that's been swept under the rug in the name of just keeping the status quo and, and you know, business decorum. And now it's, it's, it's far more acceptable to talk about things that typically you wouldn't. For example, um, I have a wife. And so for me, moving through the world, I always am, am having this process of coming out. All my different clients, you know, uh, I eventually have to come out to all of them, right? And it's always a point of tension. Early in my career, I was in the closet because I didn't want to open the door to any kind of uncomfortable BS. And let me tell you, there was a lot of it. It was just the culture to kind of say, if you don't fit this, you know, white, straight male, cisgender box that the kind of predominant workforce culture aligns itself to, well, you are othered. The policies are not for you. We didn't have, you know, I didn't have even federal marriage till 2015 here in the U.S. And with our current Supreme Court, that might go away someday. You know, we are in the middle of these kind of um, uh, social movements that are changing. And you know me, I'm very passionate about this. I have a whole documentary coming out about how social movements and marketing collide. It's called Woke Washed. But it speaks to employers and how employers look at their employees as full-fledged individual people, diverse people that bring their full, you know, intersectionality to the workplace. And it's causing organizations to, to realize the systems we had in place don't always meet the needs of these employees because they weren't designed to. They were designed for people who weren't working mothers or who, who didn't have elder care at home or any of the other ways that we show up at work. That's a beautiful opportunity to recalibrate. The pandemic effed up a lot, but what it did beautifully is cause organizations to ask, what's not working? And how do we show up for our employees in a way that does earn their loyalty? So it's not expected. It's something we get to keep and fight for every single day, the same way we fight for the loyalty of our customers. I think that's a good thing. It's a good challenge for brands. Yeah. And I think organizations who can really incorporate that and, you know, prove that in a genuine way as part of, as part of their, you know, value proposition really will come out on top. I think that's just almost a certainty. Uh, but yeah, let's, just, let's hope so. Yeah, let's <laughs> hope so. Uh, to circle back to Ignite, uh, this is the first time you'll be hosting it in person. Are you excited to be back in the flesh? I am so excited. I think there's something about being in real life that a virtual event, as great as they are, and I moderated last year's virtually, and it was wonderful to connect with people all over the world because that's the beauty of virtual. But there's something about being in the room, being in a new room outside your house or office that forces you to be in the moment, to connect with people side by side, to, to look left and right and see people that are going through the same challenges as you. Something very validating about that. Me on stage, I'm someone, my job I think is to... to um, 
kind of channel what the audience wants and needs to hear, the questions of the audience, the questions of the people in the room, what they're each there sitting and wondering. I, I, there's a tendency at conferences to look around and go, oh my God, everyone around me has everything figured out but me. And these conferences, I think the, the reason you show up to one of them is to show up with that vulnerability to say, I'm here to embrace something new, meet new people, get some new ideas, change my way of thinking. There's something about being in person that in a virtual event can't do. And it's that, it's that connection, it's that energy of the room. Um, and it's again about being with people and your peers who face the same challenges you do. It's just such a, in the time of such isolation, we need to come back together and connect. And I hope if everyone's listening, you come to Ignite this year, June 1st through the 3rd in Chicago, or join us online. We'll have a wonderful virtual experience as well. Um, but if you can come, come to Chicago. It's a great time of year to come. And I promise it's just going to be a renewed sense of why you love, hopefully love to do what you do um, with some new you know, strategies and tips for doing it better. But it re to me, honestly, every event I go to reminds me why I love being in this space and being in marketing. I think hopefully if our audience can get that, we've done our job right. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. And I have to give a shout out to the whole B2B marketing team. It's been a wonderful, between the advisory board and your staff, it has been a wonderful, everyone is really focused on what does, what do the attendees need? This is not just an event that's like pay to play and you get a bunch of sponsors on stage spouting. This is real. We have some wonderful speakers who are bringing their lived experiences on topics that are really hairy and nuanced right? This is not going to be like 101. This is going to get deep with some issues, especially around how we balance the new uh, charter of marketers balancing brand with growth. This is the place to come figure out how other brands like yours are doing it across industries. And your team has been so focused on that attendee. It's, it's, it's such a refreshing way to build an agenda. And I really think um, folks who show up will, will have that, uh, that experience. I'm so excited. Can you tell? Can you tell? I'm pumped. <laughs> no, I can't tell. <laughs> I think that is a perfect place to leave it. And I think that's all we have time for today. Uh, if you'd like to find out more about the sessions and speakers at Ignite USA, you can click the link in the bio. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me, Katie, and I will see you in Chicago. I'm so excited to see you and everybody else at Ignite. Come see us, everyone. Take care. Okay, bye.